before I even get started, I just feel like I, I need to share this with you guys. So go ahead and quiet down, quiet down. We're going, we're going straight in. As I was preparing and praying for the message tonight, I, I feel like we have kind of a heavier word tonight, all right? Something heavy, something, something kind of weighty. Speaking it and hopefully hearing it with the gift of the Holy Spirit helping us listen. I kind of feel like a little, little weight inside our hearts. I want you guys to know that sometimes that's okay in church. You know, sometimes we can come in here, we can have fun, we can play games. We're going to do that later after the message. It's going to be a blast. But for the next, like, 30 minutes, I'm calling you guys to lean in as young men and young women. Everyone say, lean in. So as, I, as I speak to you guys, as I preach to you guys, I believe this is a message that is important and that matters. We don't just do Wednesday night services and Sunday morning small groups just to, just to do it for, like, why not? You know, like, it's, we should do it like the church thing. It's a good thing just to show up. This matters. Everyone say, this matters. When we say that this matters, that means that the word of God is serious and that's weighty. That being in the presence of God, when we're, when we're worshiping him, we're not just chilling with our friends, just kind of singing and like everyone hearing our voice cracks, that's embarrassing. When we come together and we worship, friends, let me tell you something, a miracle. The presence of God is in our midst. And so when we're in the presence of God, we can't just go ahead and be distracted with our friends or just be talking during a message when the word of God is being preached. There's something serious and weighty. Everyone say weighty. So I want you guys to lean in with me. I'm not going to preach to you guys like you guys are little kids. You guys aren't eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. You guys are middle schoolers. In middle school, you're dealing with real-world problems. You're going through real questions. And this message, we're going to lean into that tonight. Are you guys okay with that? Give me a thumbs up. All right, here we go, here we go. All right, we are in a series in the book of Exodus. Everyone say Exodus. If you don't know where Exodus is, it's the second book of the Bible. So you get through Genesis chapter 50, and you turn into Exodus 1. Last week, we opened up. Seeing the people of Israel and Egypt undergoing some harsh slavery, okay? Over the first two chapters, we see their slavery gets harsher and harsher and harsher the longer that they're in Egypt. And what we see as we're approaching this book of Exodus, I want us to look for two things. Everyone say two things. The first thing is that the book of Exodus reveals who our God is, where it's, we see that God comes and he reveals himself to the Israelites. And, and he says who he is. He gives them his name, which we'll, we'll lean into today. But he shows what he is like to the people of Israel. He's saying, this is what it looks like to, for me to be your God. As well as that, the second thing is what it looks like to be his people. Everyone say, be his people. And so God showing who he is also reveals the calling of who we are to be as the people of God. And we are called to live in a covenant with God. Everyone say covenant. Who can, who can explain to me the difference between a covenant and a contract? We talked about this last week. The difference between a covenant and a contract. Someone, yeah? You got it? Go ahead and say your name first. Cora. Um, so a covenant is like a promise that you keep like inside you and a contract has like wording and proof of it. Is that correct? Yeah, that works. So the promise is something inside that you keep. A covenant is not easily broken. So when we look at a contract, in our world, you know, you can have like a business contract or even within marriage. Sadly, what's changed in our world is that marriage is more like a contract than a covenant. People say, you know, I can just rip up this contract and, and you know, they get 50, I get 50, like it's, it's all good. But covenant is a deep promise. It's a deep relationship that's not easily broken. We see that God is always faithful to his covenant with his people. And guess what? That's good news because that's you and me. If you believe in Jesus, that means you're in covenant with him, so he'll always be faithful to you. 
but then also he calls us to be faithful to him and to walk in relationship with him. So one more time, everyone say covenant. So now we're going to go ahead and dig into Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 3. If you're taking notes, you can write down Exodus chapter 3. Where we left off in Exodus 2 is we have this baby boy named Moses. Everyone say Moses. I, I told you all about how much I love being like a nerd when it comes to like the Hebrew Bible, like the Old Testament. And so I just find some of the things interesting. Like the, the word in Hebrew is actually Moshe instead of Moses. Everyone say Moshe. Doesn't that sound cooler than Moses? Like, what's her name? Moshe. Like, that's, a, that's just a cool name. But anyway, so we have this baby boy, Moses. And, we lo- and like we learned from the very theologically rich movie, The Prince of Egypt, uh, we watch uh, how Moses had, like, the best basket construction parents ever. Like, that basket did not open somehow through crocodiles and waters and boats. It's amazing. I bet it's all, like, like right on exactly what it was. But we saw this baby, Moses. And, and Moses is born to the Hebrew family, but he's raised with an Egyptian family. Eventually he sees an Egyptian slaver so intense in their slavery that he goes and he actually kills the Egyptian slaver to protect his people, to protect his fellow Hebrews. And so he runs off for fear of his life and he goes and meets his wife and has some kids in the land of Midian. Everyone say Midian. So where we leave Moses, he's a shepherd, he's off. And then um, Exodus 2, verses 23 through 25 is what we zeroed in on last week, where we see that God heard the people, their cries for help, and that God remembered his covenant, God saw his people, and God knew. Everyone say God knew. We talked about the Hebrew word for that. That shows that God deeply cares about our sufferings and that God is present with us. Everyone say God is with us. So now we leave off here in Exodus 3. We're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture. So go ahead and stick with me. You can follow along on the screens or on your own Bibles. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Imagine the bush is like a fireplace. It's just like just staying on fire. It's like, what is going on here? And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, ah! Just kidding. It doesn't say that. But if I was in the Bible, that's what I would be doing. We like, sometimes we read scripture and we're just like, and God said, and Moses said. Like, if I was in this story, like, I'm walking along. I see this bush that's like a fireplace. Like, it's not being consumed, but it's burning. And all of a sudden, the, like, the bush is like, Elias, Elias. Like, would you be sitting there being like, here I am, Lord? Like, I'd be terrified. Okay, is anyone with me? We can make the Bible real. I, I'm, I'm easily jump scared. No one take advantage of that. Don't come up and jump scare me. I might slap you and it'll be your fault. Uh, but well, like in this story, like God just calls out to Moses. And, and I guess according to scripture, maybe after he was terrified, Moses says, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Everyone say holy ground. If you have your Bible, go ahead and underline the phrase holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Everyone say, I know their sufferings. We talked about this passage last week, God saying he understood, he, he felt the suffering of his people. 
Then God says, and I've come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land, a broad land with flowing with milk and honey to the place, you got, I want to say these fast, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It makes, a good, it makes for a good rap. Verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Okay, so so far what we're seeing here is God is speaking to Moses, right? And, and God is saying, Moses, I see your people, the Hebrews, they're in suffering, and I want to deliver them. I'm going to rescue them. So imagine being Moses. You're sitting there, like, your heart rate's like, calming down after you just got, like, the living fire, like, just, like, scared out of you because you just saw a burning bush talking to you, and, like, you're just confused. But, okay, you're like, okay, like, God's going to deliver the people. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And then here comes the huge plot twist. Verse 10, come, I will send you. To Pharaoh. Everyone say, send you. Everyone say, you. Come, I'll send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Okay, so Moses is like, why are you, why are you calling me to do this? Verse 12, he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, lean in here. This is where our story really picks up. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So remember, the Egyptians, the Egyptians are in this, like, polytheistic culture. Everyone say polytheistic. Makes you sound like a whole scholar. Well, well done. Well, polytheistic culture meant that they believed in many gods. So there was like the sun god, the moon god, the god of the Nile River, the god of like Marvel, the god of DC. I don't know. Maybe that's like a thing for them. But there's like there's a bunch of little g gods. And so Moses is like, so what are what are you like the god of? Like what what kind of god are you? And here's God's response in Exodus four, verse fourteen. Here we go. God said to Moses, "I am who I am. I am." who I am. You'll see the all caps. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord. Now I want you to pay attention. You see all caps where it says the Lord. Everyone track with me. Nod your head if you see the all caps Lord. Okay, so when it says the Lord, anytime you're in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, if you see Lord with all caps, capital L, capital O-R-D, what that means, it's actually the name of God. So it's not just like Lord, like, this is an awful example, but it's not like Lord Vader, like Darth Vader, okay, where it's like a position of like authority or like a master. Um, Jesus is not like Darth Vader, okay? He doesn't kill people. Like, he's always the good guy. He doesn't have to turn because he loves Jesus or he loves God always, okay? So when we see capital, all caps, Lord, that's the name of God. And the reason why they write it like this is because the, the Hebrew people, the name of God was so holy they wouldn't even say it. Shh, everyone listen, everyone listen. The name of God was so holy to them, they wouldn't even utter that name. So they would just go, all caps, the Lord. So it says here, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Everyone go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. Father God, we thank you for your presence in this room today. Lord, right now that we, we say that if not for you, everything here is a waste of time, an absolute waste of time. Without knowing you, without hearing your voice, without being in covenant with you, 
we're just going through the motions, just doing the churchy thing. And I can say for me, and I hope for these students, that we don't want to do that tonight. We want to pray a bold prayer that you would show us your glory. That you would reveal more of who you are to us. That we would understand more of who you are. Then we talk about who you are as the great I am. This would change something in us deeply. So God, I pray over every student in this room and also myself, God, that you'd help us to feel the weight of this message. That we wouldn't be messing around. That we wouldn't take this lightly. But that we would be moved by your goodness and the weight of your presence. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Okay, so in this passage, in this passage, we see that God is revealing himself to Moses. So we have this moment in the burning bush where God calls Moses out of the burning bush. He speaks directly to him and reveals who he is, reveals his name. And then we see that God shows Moses that he hears the people of Israel, that he cares deeply about this people. And we also see that, that uh, God calls Moses in this passage. We see that Moses is full of fear, right? So we see that, like, that God's calling Moses and he's saying he's going to deliver the people. And then God says, I want to use you, Moses. I want you to think about that. You're up at this burning bush. It's the pre- like the very presence of God's in this bush talking to you. And they're like, Jonas, Grace, I'm calling you. You are going to go and deliver the people. You'd be like, oh, hold up. Like, I thought you were going to do all this. You're like calling me. So Moses has all these fears, these doubts, these questions of I can't do this and why are you picking me? And we're going to dig into that a little bit later in this message. But I want to highlight the most important thing in this passage, which is God revealing himself as the I am. Everyone say I am. Now, maybe you've grown up in church, you've heard like a song like, you know, like a song like The Great I Am, or you, you hear this phrase, I am who I am, and you're like, okay, this sounds like cool and like super epic. Like you can hear God saying this like with a big, like huge, like bass drop. But are any of you like ever been like, what does this even mean? Like, like God is the I am? Has anyone ever been there? Raise your hand, be honest. I know I've been there. It's like God being I am. So like, what does this mean that like, I am who I am? I want us to lean into this because this is important. This is what I want to call you guys to. Everyone look at me. This is a truth about God that will change everything in our lives. I, literally, I mean literally everything in our lives looks different when we realize that God is the I am. Now what does this mean that God is the I am? In verse 14 he says, I am who I am. If you are to translate it literally from Hebrew into English... It would be God saying, I be who I be. Everyone say, I be who I be. (laughs) Does that sound awesome to anyone? It's like, we should just put that in the Bible. I be who I be. Obviously, we don't really talk like that in English, in proper English. But God is saying, I am who I am. I be who I be. Now, what does this mean? I want everyone to track with me, okay? Everyone, you got to watch me to get this because I'm about to try to explain eternity to you. I can't really do that well. No one can because we all, like, started at a certain point, right? Like, we were born on a certain day. For me, May 21st, 2001, it's my birthday. I was, like, started on this point, and then I kind of existed after that. But here's the thing about God. Everyone look at me. We see in, in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if we go back to the very beginning of time, just say it's right here, this is the beginning of creation, the things that we can see in the world, like the world that we live in. But before creation, it says in the beginning was God, right? 
So even before this moment, we have God over here. And imagine like this stage just never ends. The stage never ends. It's just like an eternal stage that's always existed, okay? So it goes all the way over here. So God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed in triune community. You're probably sitting here like, what? okay, this is like going super deep. Basically, the Trinity has always existed, okay? So forever, like they were never created, they have always been. This is one of the best defenses for our faith as Christians is that it's scientific that everything that exists has a beginning, right? Like you and I, we have a beginning. Like matter cannot be created in itself. Any people that love science in here? Be honest, be honest. Let's go. Be, yeah, let's go. I, this is like a, as much science as I know. But I hope I'm making you really happy talking about science. But matter can just like be created out of nothing. And so that's why nothing in the universe could have been made without someone from the beginning, uh, a supernatural being to create everything. The world couldn't just appear through a big bang by itself. That's impossible. Science contradicts that. And so God is always existent all the way over here forever. He never has a beginning. He doesn't have to have a beginning because he's God. Everyone put a thumbs up if you're tracking me so far. Okay, so God is always existent. But also now it's, we, have, we have time starting here. So creation, and we go through our lives and just say this podium is us right here, okay? We exist in this moment in time. And then we have eternity forever. The eternity forever. Excuse me, eternity future where God will always exist. And guess what? If you are in Christ, if you follow Jesus, He is your Savior. That means you get to have eternity with Christ forever, everlasting covenant with Him, which is a beautiful truth. Now, this is what now this is what this means in relation to this passage. God saying, I am who I am. This is what this means. It's God saying, I will continue to be now who I have always been. Okay? So He is now who he has been in the past, okay, we're tracking. Also, he will be now, he will now be who he will continue to be in the future, okay? And then the God that we see in the future will continue to be the same God now and the same God that we see in the past. Oh, I almost stripped. The God that we see in the past, we also see now in the present. Here's what I'm going after. And if you have a notebook or taking notes, I want you to write this down. That God is permanent. Everyone say Permanent. Okay, God is permanent. So that means when he says, I am who I am, it's God, he's saying, I be who I be. Who I am doesn't change. He says, I will be who I am. I will be who I have been. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But not just like literally like the day before, like today, as in yesterday. God is the same from eternity past. As far back as you can think of, he goes back even further. It's trippy. Time is trippy. God is God now, and God will forever be God. I want to give a little illustration. Jayla, can you come up here and help me out real quick? I don't want to spill my water. All right, let's go ahead and move this whiteboard up so you can move this up. Some of you aren't back in school yet, and you're like, oh, I did not want to see a whiteboard for another week. I'm sorry. Keep going up. Let's go as far up as possible. Okay. So right here, I want, I want to illustrate this about our God, okay? So we have here, we're good. Thank you, J-Lo. Everyone get up for J-Lo. J-Lo is the goat, y'all. During sound check, he came early, and so he was, like, hitting a workout in the back, and I was like, I should be ashamed of myself. I'm not sound checking with the band. I should be working out like J-Lo. He's an Air Force cadet. He's legit. But, okay, so when we talk about God being I am, I am who I am. Everyone say, I am who I am. So when God says this, it means that he will continue to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. So 
For example, just say we have this truth about God, okay, that God is love. Everyone say love. Okay. If any of you are at Desperation Conference, you know that my handwriting is absolutely garbage. So don't laugh at me, okay? My, my poor wife has had to suffer through many of my written letters where she's like, this is sweet and all, but like, what does this say? I, I, can't, I can't really read your writing. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's now. But okay, so we have, we have that God is love. This is something about the character of God that is true. We read this in scripture. We talk about this in church. When we look at the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we know that God is love. Everyone say amen. Okay, so we see that God is love. We also see that God is holy. Everyone say holy. Can someone tell me what holy means? That is not what it is. Holy. Yell it out. Shh. I know it's a hard word to describe. You're good. Okay, cool. Like a, a commitment. Yeah. Basically, what, the easiest way for me to understand holy is it means set apart. Everyone say set apart. Okay, when something is holy, that means it stands out. So if it's like, if you have a holy God, he's over here, and everyone knows, like, that's God, and just we are not. Like, there's a clear difference. There's a clear separation between something that is holy. And so we see through Scripture that God is holy. How about sovereign? Everyone say sovereign. This is a bigger word. Here we go. Let's see if I don't run out of space. So we see that God is sovereign. Okay, what this means, someone help me spell this thing. Wait, what is it? I'm losing my place up here with this big board. Okay, so we talk about how God is sovereign. If you were at Desperation Conference, we talked about how God is over all, that all things are under him, and that he is powerful and sovereign over all things. God is sovereign. This is what scripture reveals to us. Everyone say sovereign. And how about, let's do, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's do faithful. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. This is a good one. This is something we talk about, how God is faithful. We sing worship songs about it. We sing all these different things. We read scriptures about God being faithful. So when we talk about these attributes of God, now I want you guys to track with me here. We need to see God in a different light or a different, in a different way than we see humans. Okay? So I could say like, um, what's your name? What was it? Emma. Okay, Emma, what grade are you in? Okay, so I could say a characteristic of Emma here up in the front. Everyone wave at Emma. Hi, Emma. There you go. I meant to say, Emma, wave at everyone. But now you got like 800 people waving at you. I love it. But so we have Emma here. So I could say that Emma is in middle school and that she's wearing like braids right now and has some black shoes on. Okay, those are attributes about Emma. Like if, if, you, if you can see Emma, you can see her shoes. You can see like, okay, cool. Like those things are true of Emma right now. Everyone say right now. So these things are true of Emma right now, but the reality about human beings is that we, we change, right? We change. We grow up. We get different. Maybe you know someone that used to be, like, super mean, and all of a sudden, like, you saw them four years later. They're, like, the coolest, nicest person. Well, you're, you're like, nodding your head. You, know, you're, you thought of someone fast. I respect it. Or you know someone that's, like, the opposite. Like, they used to be the best, and now it's, like, bro, you are, like, so mean and, like, rude. Okay, it's, like, some, like, people are constantly changing. We go up and down. We have different things like that. If you guys are messing around, and you guys to stop. And so we have these things about humans where our attributes are constantly changing. But lean in, lean in here. This is what is unique about our God. When we talk about who our God is, 
And when you talk about him being who he is, when he says, I am who I am, these things never change. They're permanent. Everyone say permanent. So God is always holy. He is always sovereign. He is always loving. He is always faithful. This is the character of God. And so nothing ever changes this about our God. Now here's the problem. If you've lived enough life, even for you guys, in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you, you are already experiencing things in your life. Tragedies, difficult conversations, friends walking away from church or walking away from the Lord. People asking questions, can this Christianity thing really be real? And, and people, what they start to do is they sit here and they look at this list of things and they say, I don't know if this can be true. I, I know the Bible says or, or I know that, that we, we learn that God is holy or sovereign or loving or faithful, but I don't, I don't know if this is actually true. What we see here that happens is often the world says, no, God, God isn't loving. There's, there's no way that God is loving. He's angry at you. Okay, he's, he's an angry God that if you make a mistake, guess what? He's going to punish you. You're, you're spending eternity away from God. You're going to hell if you make a mistake. God's not loving. That's what our world tells us, that God is actually, that God is an angry God. Everyone say angry. This is what our world tells us, that there's no way that God can be loving. Maybe they, maybe they look at God's presence being holy. We see in this, in this story where as God is coming up to this burning bush, God says, take off your sandals for the place you stand is holy ground. Everyone say holy ground. Now, friends, can I tell you something? Everyone look at me. Whether you feel it or not or believe it or not, this place is holy ground. And that's why I take this really seriously. I'm not up here just to preach because, like, it's my job or just because I'm supposed to. I believe in the word of God. I believe in the holiness of God, which means I can't, I can't read the word of God and be in his presence and take it casually. Okay? Everyone look at me. I'm calling you guys higher, not because I'm mad at you guys, not because I'm just like trying to get you guys to stop talking. I'm calling you guys higher because I believe this matters. Because if we don't understand this, nothing else in life matters to me. Truthfully, everything else I believe is a waste if I don't know who God is. But see, what the world tells us about God's presence being holy is no, no, no. That's just, that's just religious stuff. This over religiosity, or maybe maybe they say, "Oh, I can, when, I, when I'm in the presence of God, I, I can feel that He is so holy and glorious." And the world might tell you, "No, that's just that's fake emotion." Okay, they might just say that's fake emotion. That's just people conjuring up, try, like trying to feel a certain feeling, and they say that that's a lie. Or, or they look at the faithfulness of God and they say, "There's no way God can be faithful." Look at what's happening in your family. Let's make it real tonight. Look at what's happening in your family. Your, your parents might be going through a divorce or you might have a really bad relationship with a sibling or a friend or maybe you're going through some really difficult mental health questions and, and things going through your mind. You might be feeling anxiety. You might be feeling different things. And so you might be saying, there's no way God is faithful. This is what the world tells us is that God isn't faithful, that he's not true to his words. Friends right here, I need you guys to stop talking. I need you guys to stop talking. So we, we see that the world says God is not faithful. Look around. Look at the world. They may say God isn't sovereign. How can he allow bad? How can he allow suffering? Why, why does God do these things? When we look at what the world tells us, this is what they see. 
They don't see a God that is holy or loving or faithful. They see a God that is fake. They see a God that doesn't really exist. That is what the world sees. And, and much like maybe how some of you feel in this room, this is probably how the Israelites felt, where we picked them up in Exodus 3. I want you guys to think about what we talked about last week with the, the, the harsh slavery that they're enduring. They're going through the worst, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, mental pain. Do you think they'd be sitting up here and being like, yeah, God is holy and sovereign and good and loving and faithful? Like if you were, if you were in 400 years of slavery, would that be your response? Be honest with me. I'd say no. I'd be struggling with that. <laughs> My man right here, wide, wide eyes, he was like, absolutely not. Like, we can, we can be real. It would be difficult to say that God is these things when you go through what they did. But here's the reality about God being I am. I'm going to put this up on the screen. I am who I am. God saying I am who I am means that everything about God is permanent and that he will never change. Okay. That's up on the screen. I am who I am means that everything about God is permanent and that he will never change who he is. A really great author that I, I read, he, he says, what a small God we would have if divine character, so the character of God, who we see him as, was dependent on our behavior. What a small God we would have if God's character was based on or dependent on our behavior. So if we say that, I can't, I can't believe that God is these, is these things, these attributes I read in Scripture because of what I've seen or what I've done. Maybe say, because of what I've done and the sin that I live in and I continue to live in sin, even though I know it's wrong. So I don't think God can really be loving. He must be angry. Okay? But here's, here's the reality, friends. Is when we look at who God is being permanent, when God says, I am who I am. Everyone say, I am who I am. When God says this, it means that these things never change about who he is. You see, when we look at God in scripture and what Jesus has done, we see him for who he truly is. Now, this takes faith, okay? This takes faith because sometimes it's difficult to see this. But here's the reality. When I read scripture and I know that that's truth, and when I look at what Jesus has done on the cross, Okay, Jesus, I know that he died on the cross for me and for my sins. He rose again, and he's going to come back. When I look at the gospel, what I know to be true, this is what happens when I look. This happens when I look at these things. I know that the world says that the, the presence of God is casual and fake, and it's just a conjured up emotion. But here's the reality. When I look at scripture, and when I hear the testimony of what people say about who God is, this is what happens. The holiness of God remains because he is permanent. Everyone say he's permanent. When I look at God being love, I know this to be true because of what Jesus has done for me. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. If you hear nothing else from this message, I want you to hear this. God's love for you is permanent, and you know that by what Jesus did. I shared this verse last week, and I'll share it again. Romans 5 talks about that very rarely will anyone die for a sinner. Like, like, let me take a poll in this room. If you knew someone that was the worst, they're a criminal, they have done, like, wrong thing after wrong thing after wrong thing, would you ever in your right mind be like, you know what, I'm going to go die for that guy? Raise your hand if you would do that. Because chances are, like, you would really feel like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. That makes no sense for me to die for someone that's my enemy. 
But it says in Scripture, Romans 5, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone say, Christ died. So what does this mean for you and I? It means that God looks at you, knowing everything about you, every shortcoming, every sin, every mistake you'll ever make in your entire life. And his love remains permanent. Everyone say permanent. That his love for you is not based on what you do. Everyone, everyone look at me. I want you guys to hear this. Come down because I want to look into your eyes and tell you this. That if God's love is permanent, that means that nothing you do can disqualify you from the love of God. Okay? You can be the worst of the worst sinners. God calls a man, or Jesus calls a man to follow him who's a zealot. A zealot who would go and kill Roman soldiers and he would revolt and he was an extremely violent man. Jesus called a man named, named Matthew. Everyone say Matthew. And we know Matthew wrote one of the gospels about Jesus. But Matthew was a tax collector who would steal from his own people. This guy was messed up. This guy was messed up. He would steal from his own people and take advantage of people for their money. And Jesus calls him by name and says, Matthew, come and follow me. And friends, the invitation tonight is Jesus saying, I don't care what you have done, what you're doing right now that's sinful, or what you'll continue to do. My love is permanent. And friends, this is the truth of the gospel, that God's love remains even when we are not faithful to him. Everyone say, God is permanent. We talk about God being sovereign. When we look at scripture, what do we, when we look at the book of Exodus, we'll continue to get into this, but we see that God delivers his people out of slavery. We see that God saves them and God delivers them. And it's a great picture for how God saves and delivers us from sin. Now, now we can look at this question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Have you guys ever thought that question? Be honest here. Why, why does God allow pain and suffering? Why does God allow sin? For me, I wrestle with the question every day, why, why did God create my sister with some special needs, even though we believed for healing for her? She's had over 30 surgeries in her life. She wasn't healed like, like my family and I prayed for and believed for. And I, and I can have that in the back of my head and say, I don't know what you're doing with that God, but everyone look at me. I know that my God is a healer. I've seen some of the deaf ear be able to hear again. I've seen people with diseases or, or migraines that they are healed instantly. And so I know that my God is a healer. I know that my God is powerful. I know that my God is sovereign over all things. And even when I don't understand what he's doing, guess what scripture tells me? And guess what the truth of, of our lives tell us is that God is still sovereign. And he works all things out for the good of those who love him. Everyone say God is sovereign. So God's sovereignty is permanent. This never changes about who he is. Like this is about to fall off its stand. Here we go. And the last thing, God's faithfulness. Everyone say faithful. Like I was talking about with the love of God. So often we think that God is going to stop being faithful to us because we've stopped being faithful to him. Okay, I've, I've stopped having my quiet times. I've stopped praying as much as I should. I don't read the Bible as much as I should. I, I made a mistake with my friend or I treated this, this boy, this girl bad. There's no way God can still be faithful to me because of what I've done what scripture tells us is that even when we are faithless, God is faithful. God's faithfulness, just like his love, is not based on whether you do everything right. Okay? It's not based on you doing everything right, but God is faithful because he is who he says he is. And, and what I am who I am means to us, oh, the leg is off the stage. 
What I am who I am means for us. Thank you, Grandma. That was a close call, close call. What I am who I am means for us is this, brothers and sisters, that who God has always been is who God will be now. And who God is now, as faithful and loving and just and kind and merciful, he will continue to be for everyone. Everyone say, God is permanent. We're going to go into a few minutes of worship here. But this is what I want to call you guys into. J-Lo and Lindsay, you can come up. As we get ready for worship, I don't want this just to be another song that we respond to. We just go through the motions and sing another song. So if, if you haven't been impacted by this message, if you don't, if the Holy Spirit isn't like tugging on your heart, that's okay. I'm asking, please do not distract other people who are trying to engage with us, all right? When we talk about God being who he says he is and always being the same, this gives us hope for today. Everyone say today. I love that when we look at this passage, you might feel a lot like Moses did. God, God says, I am who I am, and God reveals who he is, and God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. It's just like amazing moment. The presence of God, the very angel of the Lord is in this burning bush. It is this epic moment, okay? It's like, like a once-in-a-lifetime experience where, where Moses is talking directly to the presence of God. But guess what? Moses in this moment... He had a lot of doubts and a lot of fears and a lot of questions. He says, he says in verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? For the rest of chapter 3 and the rest of chapter 4, what we see Moses do, he says, God, well, I, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Like, don't, don't send me. I'm, I don't want to go. Like, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Like, I literally killed an Egyptian slaver. Like, and now you're about to send me there? Like, like are you trying to kill me, God? Or he's saying, I, I'm, I'm slow of tongue. Like I'm, I'm basically what Moses is saying is like, I'm a bad public speaker. And like when I get in front of people, I like, I shake and I'm like, I, I'm not ready to go up to Pharaoh and tell, tell him, let my people go. But this is what God says to Moses. After the first doubt that Moses feels, in verse 12, God says, but I will be with you but I will be with you. God's answer to all of Moses' fears, doubts, and questions. And today, God's answer to you and me. Whether you feel like you can look at these attributes of God, the character of God, and say, I know this to be true, or you're saying, Pastor Taylor, I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of doubts and a lot of fears. I got questions. I don't know why God did this. And I believe the Bible, and I believe in what Jesus did, but I... I have some wrestles. Okay? If that's you in this room, it's okay. God still calls you and God still loves you. Just like he still called Moses despite Moses' fears and doubts and questions. But God's response to Moses is, but I will be with you. And God says this multiple times in Exodus 3 and 4, I will be with you. I will be with you. Then we get to, to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to throw this on the screen. We see that at the, end of, at the end of Exodus, Moses dies. He doesn't go into the promised land because of the people's sin. But we see in the book of Joshua, this guy Joshua is about to take over the people. He's about to lead them into the promised land. And guess what? He's terrified. Just like Moses was, just like you and I would probably be. 
God being like, all right, like, I know Moses was great and all, but like, okay, I've called you. Go and now you're going to go and lead the people into the promised land. And in, in Joshua's fears, this is what God says to him. God says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Everyone say, with you. And God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And guess what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28? When he's given the great commission, telling them to go out and make disciples of all nations, to go out and basically be like Jesus to the world. What God says is, what Jesus says is, surely I will be with you even to the end of the age. Junior High, will you stand with me and kind of spread out across the front here? Don't say a word to your friend. I want you just to lean in. We have five minutes. And as you're moving, I want everyone to try to look at me. What the Lord wants you to know today is that He is with you. Is that He is with you. Go ahead and come up a little more, y'all. God saying, I am who I am. Saying, He will always continue to be the same loving, faithful, holy, sovereign God that He has always been. And He'll continue to be that same God. And guess who God is as well? It's Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The truth of Scripture. The reality of the Holy Spirit is living inside you if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Lord means that God is always with you. Now, I've walked with Jesus for a long time, since I was y'all's age, when I was 10, when I started following the Lord. Now, ever since I was 10 to now, I couldn't tell you that every moment of my life, it's like, oh, I feel the presence of God. Or, I feel like he's really close. Or like, oh, yes, like the great I am is definitely with me. Like, there's moments where I feel the presence of God, like worship a few minutes ago felt the presence of God. It was beautiful. But just because you don't feel the presence of God doesn't mean that He is not with you, even in this moment. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to just sing for the next four or five minutes. We're going to sing about who God is. What I want you to do is act like you are in a room alone with just God. I want you to think about who He is. What Scripture tells us about who God is, about how God has come through for you, how He has loved you, how He has been there for you. And I want you to worship with that in mind. So for the next few minutes, don't talk to your neighbors. Don't get distracted. If you want to get on your knees or close your eyes, lift your hands. Let's worship the Lord for the next few minutes.